and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today, as the summer slowly and quickly ends, we are here to talk about the phenomenon known as summer melt. What is it? Where does this name come from? Who can help us explain this? And what can we use to better understand it? We are here with two recent HGSC grads, Lindsay Page and Ben Castleman, who are here to explain Summer Melt and what they're doing in the field of research on Summer Melt. Welcome to the EdCast. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much. Now, guys, before we even jump into what you've been doing in this research, I'd love, you know, for our listeners who don't know what Summer Melt is, is this uh, about someone who buys an ice cream cone and it's hot outside? It would be, it would be nice if that were the case. So um, what we mean uh, when, we, when we talk about Summer Melt, first, First, we should say that we um, really credit um, Ben's longtime colleague, Karen Arnold, who's a fantastic professor at the Boston College School of Education, the Lynch School. We really credit her with um, the genesis of this term, and uh, our our work uh, on this topic really, really builds off of foundational work that she led uh, and in which Ben participated. So what do we mean by summer milk? Um, what, we, what we find um, is that in a variety of educational settings, really across the U.S., there are hosts of students who get through high school. They uh, do all of the steps that we would want them to do in terms of considering college, applying to college, applying for financial aid, and having really well-articulated post-secondary plans at the end of high school, when, at the time when they're, they're graduating from high school. And yet, when we follow those students from their successful high school graduation into the fall following their high school graduation, what we observe is that large shares of those students are not actually uh, successfully matriculating in college. So uh, in nationally representative samples, we estimate that uh, somewhere between 10 to 20 percent, sometimes higher than that in certain locations, Students who look to be college intending by, by all measures that we can gather information on, uh, 10 to 20 percent of those students are, are not actually matriculating to college in the, in the fall after high school graduation. So, I mean, obviously the next question one would have is, you know, why is this the case and, uh, and what can we do um, to, to make sure that this doesn't happen, that we don't lose this, this relatively high percentage of students who are so close to college and participating in it and then, uh, for whatever reason, uh, missing out on the, the process? So, I think it's a great question, and I think that uh, for a long time, uh, the reason it was happening is that researchers, educators, policymakers, we're, we're just overlooking the summer as an important time period in students' transition to college. The idea was that you got students into college, um, they paid deposits, chose where they were going to go at the end of high school. They would then show up in the fall, and there was this idea of summer melt in the higher education context, but, but the thinking was that melt meant that if a student wasn't going to one institution, say Harvard, they were going to another institution of equal quality, say Yale. Um, though for the Harvard listeners, whether Yale is actually of equal quality is, is a separate conversation. But in fact, students have to complete a, a, a number of really complicated tasks during the summer after high school. They have to interpret and act on their financial aid award letters. They have to apply for and evaluate supplementary loans. Uh, many students do to meet um, gaps between their financial aid and the cost of attendance. There's a lot of paperwork they need to fill out to sign up for orientation and to take placement tests. Eventually they have to pay their tuition bill. 
So there's all these tasks, but it comes at a time when students no longer have access to help. They're no longer part of their high school. They've yet to really engage with their college community. And many of the, the populations that we've worked with, they're the first in their family to go to college. And so even if they want to um, go, even if they want, even if their families want to help them, they often don't know how. And so what that suggests to us and, and what we've worked on for several years is that if we provide students with additional help during this time period, then it might make a big impact on uh, helping students who've already overcome so many hurdles in the college process follow through with their plans. And what can we do? Uh, we could do a few things. One, we can hire school counselors or community-based financial aid advisors um, to continue working for a couple months over the summer and to reach out to students and, and offer them help with their financial aid and completing paperwork and, and just kind of dealing with the, the um, anxieties about going to college that lots of students face. And so we've done that in a number of contexts in Boston and Fulton County, Georgia, Georgia and Providence, uh, several other settings. And we found that just a couple hours of help from a school counselor can have a big impact on whether, not only whether students go to college, but also whether they persist um, into sophomore year and hopefully beyond. The other thing I think that's really interesting is that um, this summer is kind of this unique time where students aren't getting nudged and, and reminded of what they need to do. In high school, students, teachers tell them what assignments to complete. Even in college, students get syllabi and reminders from teaching assistants. But in, in the summer, again, because there aren't counselors, because they often, their parents don't know how to, how to help them, students aren't getting a lot of guidance. They aren't getting nudges of what tasks to complete. And so one of the things we tried last summer was sending students personalized text messages that reminded them of tasks they need to complete at their intended institution where they plan to go to college. And the messages included links that let students complete the tasks right from their mobile phone if they had a smartphone and, and also um, let students request help from a, from a counselor if they needed assistance. So we think that, um, you know, obviously a really low cost way to support students, but by giving them nudges throughout the summer, by making it easy for them to complete tasks in the moment before they got distracted with other things, and making it really easy to get help, we again found that um, text messaging can, can have a, a big impact on, on helping students follow through on their college plans. It's a great use of education and technology uh, to promote learning. It, I, it seems like scalability of these ideas. There's a lot of great ideas here, and you guys have done some fantastic research on it. Getting it out across the country so that everyone can understand um, techniques to, to prevent summer melt. Um, it almost seems as if I wish there were a handbook that could help people understand this better. Is it, Do you think something like that exists? Oh, well, uh, what, a, what a fantastic question and a, a lead into uh, an opportunity for us to talk about the handbook that we've worked on. So um, for the past few years, I should, I should say um, now I have joined the um, faculty at the University of Pittsburgh School of Education. Ben has joined the faculty at the um, Curry School of Education at the University of Virginia and the Policy School at the University of Virginia. Uh, but for the past two years, I had the um, tremendous opportunity to work um, at the Center for Education Policy Research at Harvard University, and uh, more specifically with the Strategic Data Project, um, which is housed at CEPR. And um, one, one thing that we did, you know, a lot of our summer melt research has been uh, in partnership with some of the Strategic Data Project or SDP sites, uh, including Fulton County, Georgia, 
some of the SCP fellows did similar work, or one of the SCP fellows, Lindsay Doherty, uh, did similar work um, in Fort Worth uh, Independent School District in, in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas. And um, one thing that we did at CEPR, because this summer melt work um, was so integrally involved in some of the SDP sites, is um, Ben and I worked together with Ashley Snowden, uh, who is still a member of the CEPR team, to write a, a handbook on summer melt. And the handbook is freely available on the Strategic Data Project website. Uh, and and our, our goal with the handbook was really, uh, we had a few goals with the handbook. One, we wanted to be able to highlight the issue of summer melt for our participating uh, school districts, state agencies, all educational agencies, and really beyond the, the strategic data project network. So, so first we wanted to highlight the issue of summer melt, really define what it is for agencies and raise awareness of the issue. Um, two, we wanted to provide some guidance for school districts and others about how they could actually go about assessing and measuring uh, the extent to which summer melt is happening with their students. And so this really involves pulling together data and information from a variety of different sources and, and maybe collecting information anew. Uh, one, one thing that we recommend strongly is uh, doing a um, student-level high school exit survey where you're collecting information, really specific information about students' post-secondary <clears throat> post plans, and not just what they're planning to do, but what steps they've actively taken to get ready for those plans. So have they applied to college? Have they completed the FAFSA? Um, have they gotten into college and do they intend to go? Uh, and, then, and then we provide uh, a variety of suggestions around how uh, post-secondary or how high schools, how school districts can get information about whether their students are actually matriculating to college. Um, so, so that's the second section of the guide where we really talk about how, how um, school districts and others can, can assess summer melt with their students. And then the third piece uh, really dovetails well with what Ben was just talking about, um, where we uh, provide sort of snapshot summaries of the different uh, interventions that we've tried, um, the different, and the evidence that we've generated around these different interventions. So one thing that we've done is um, in, in most or all of the interventions that we've implemented, we've done so with uh, randomized controlled trials. So we've generated very strong evidence on the impact of these different interventions in, in mitigating summer melt. So we provide snapshots of the different studies that we've run really to focus on strategies that agencies can use with their in order to better support their students over the summer. And we also provide some estimates of how much these strategies cost. So one thing that I think is particularly notable um, not only do we see uh, strong impacts of the summer melt interventions on supporting students' timely college enrollment, but also and also persistence in college, which is really exciting. Uh, but these strategies in general are uh, very low cost in comparison to other uh, interventions in the education space. So, for example, our <clears throat> our counseling, our counselor outreach strategies uh, cost on the order of a hundred to two hundred dollars per student served. Um, and and then the text message interventions that, that Ben just talked about, the cost there is is on the order of about $7 per student served. And that is inclusive not only of um, the cost of, of building and, and running an automated text message outreach platform, uh, but, but also 
uh, covering counselors' time to provide follow-up support to students who request help. So the guide uh, that we've written um, is really uh, focused on practitioners who are interested in learning more about summer melt and assessing it in their agency and then thinking about innovative but low-cost strategies that they can implement uh, in order to better support their students in making the transition from high school to college. Well, it sounds like a true guidebook uh, with so many great ideas and so much uh, foundational research that's part of it. Uh, Ben and Lindsay, thank you for what you do in this field and and for how you're helping students attain the dream of college. And uh, we're we're very proud to call you our own here at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thanks a lot, Ben. Well, thanks so much. All right. If you want to learn more about the Summer Melt Handbook, go to the Strategic Data Project website through the Harvard Graduate School of Education. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.